What up artists? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm the creative director and founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. This is the Art Pays Me podcast and I'm passionate about finding ways that people like you and me can make a living for ourselves off of our creativity and you know maybe we can make the world a better place at the same time. Let's get into it. I like I hijacked a classroom here at work. I work at Dell actually. Yeah. So yeah. I heard it in your podcast. <laughs> I have mentioned it before. Yeah, forget about that. So um, I'll do a little intro. Katrina is an artist manager and a strategist and a coach for emerging talent. And you do this through your business called uh, KL Management. Is that yeah. correct? Yes. So welcome to the Art Pays Me podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> yeah. Um, like Instagram is a crazy thing because I think I first connected with you through there. And I think you bought something from me. And I was like, who's this? I, I stalk everyone who... <laughs> i'm like i see that name let me see if i can find them on instagram oh there they are hey (laughs) so um yeah and then i came across you and i was like oh wow she's doing really interesting things and it really um it uh confirms why i i started the brand actually it's like i really wanted to connect with other people who are doing interesting things and um yeah, so welcome to the show to, to share that story with uh, my audience. So, Katrina, where did you grow up? I'm, I always like asking people this. <laughs> um, I grew up all over Canada, but I'm originally from Nova Scotia. Okay. I was born in Nova Scotia, in Halifax, and then through my dad's career, we moved around. We lived in Quebec, Edmonton, Ottawa. And then in high school, we moved back to Nova Scotia. So then I was in Dartmouth. I went to Cole Harbor District High School. And then I went to St. Mary's University. And then I started moving around again. But I guess my formative years were mostly in Scotia. Okay. So that's why, like, because I always see you kind of back and forth here. So that's the connection. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> Are you Portuguese by any chance? No. My grandfather was from Cape Verde. So oh. his last name is colonized Portuguese name. Got you. Yeah. She was just telling both me. Both of my family were Upshaws. Uh, okay. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, you look. You look like so. She was just telling me she's been to Bermuda. She's she's got the Bermudian connection, and uh, Bermuda has a a very high Portuguese population. Yeah. So I was wondering if people were like, you, cause you look like you could be from Bermuda easy to be yeah. honest. Yeah. <laughs> Until I start talking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yes, I was just saying that I've spent a lot of time in Bermuda, especially during my college years. I spent a lot of time on those Friday booze cruises. I don't know if they still have those, but. Oh yeah, they still have them. They still have them. <laughs> So, um, so can you explain like what exactly, uh, like a manager and strategist and all that other stuff you do does? Yeah. I mean, basically 
I mean, I mean, I manage artists, I manage their careers. So it encompasses everything from building a strategy for their career, for their releases, for their brand, marketing, um, negotiating deals, building the team around their projects. Um, I mean, it's honestly so many things. It's like, sometimes it's providing emotional support. Sometimes it's providing financial support. Sometimes it's providing strategic support. So that's kind of, that's the basis of my company. And then from there, because there are so many artists who are reaching out for management, and I just don't have the bandwidth to manage everyone who's looking for management. Yeah. I started creating other, other services. So for some artists, I'll consult just to like help them kind of get a strategy that they can implement. Mm-hmm. And then recently I started doing online courses for emerging artists that again, kind of walks them through step-by-step, the, like the step-by-step process for them to release their music and to really, really focus on their purpose and their vision and sort of have all of that, like, and their values and having that all really clear and firm before they, before they start building their team, because I find it, it could be this way in life in general, but specifically in music, it can get really murky when like a label's coming to the table or maybe a manager's coming to the table or sponsors coming to the table. And most artists in the early stages are struggling financially. So if you're not really clear about your values and your vision, it can get murky and confusing when there's opportunities on the line and mm. you're like, it, 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 it's like all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, that's what I've been wanting to do. Oh yeah, but I forgot that these were my, my values and not that you shouldn't do those opportunities, but it's just good to have them like in the forefront so that you can make decisions that you don't regret. Right. So you find that like early artists, maybe they say yes too much. Is that an, a thing? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Definitely say yes too much. Um, I, and I wouldn't say it's not, I mean, established artists do this too. Mm. But I think, I think like in management, I was already going through this with, with the artists on my roster. So we were always really clear. And I mean, so Sean Desmond was my first like big, like when I started my company, it was managing him. So Mm. we kind of learned these things together. Like these were things that I was learning for myself as well. Like having my values really clear. And I remember when we started, because we were both with a different company before. And the first value we established, I, like intuitively, it wasn't something we discussed, like we weren't discussing our values, but we were like, we're just not going to work with assholes. <laughs> it sounds so simple, but it's like, when opportunities come, sometimes you're like, oh yeah, but this person, they say they can do this and they can do this and this. And it's like, yeah, but they're a real asshole. <laughs> right. And then you like are like, yeah, but they can do this. So we just have to tolerate this asshole behavior as this happened, we just made it clear from the jump because we had been in situations where we were working with assholes and it's just for us not worth it. So mm. like that was one of our baseline values of like, no, we can, we can get to where we want to go based on our own skills and connections and we don't need to work with assholes. Got you. Yeah. Got you. So how did you figure out this is what you wanted to do? Did you study something similar to that when you were at St. Mary's? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I actually studied international development studies. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I've always been really passionate about social justice, like even since I was a kid. So that seemed like kind of a natural 
progression for me when I got to and university, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I really just had to pick something. And that seemed like the most logical step for me in Mm. terms of my passions and stuff. Um, And I did a lot of community development work in different places. I traveled to Peru, Bolivia, Haiti, and then I lived in Cuba for a year. Wow. And I enjoyed that work, but I think I learned, like this was in my early, early 20s, that I really am someone who needs like a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's hard for me to be to maintain my passion mm. when like a result may not happen in my lifetime or like in a deck like this decade. <laughs> Literally dealing with something similar right now. <laughs> yeah, interesting. interesting. <laughs> um, and I just kind of came to the realization where like. I was like, okay, social justice is still important to me, but maybe it just is not a career choice. Mm. Like it's something I can still devote my time and energy to, but not as a career, like not where it's like, so, and I just kind of had this moment where I was like, I just want to do something fun. Music seems fun. And my cousin was a, a DJ in Toronto. And I used to always be up in Toronto for Caravana. And in fact, I used to drive up there often with my Bermudian girlfriends. <laughs> okay, so you mentioned, give me some names. Who are these Bermudians? Really? You want me to mention their names on the podcast? Sure, why not? Tinyka Basden, Kyoki Dickinson, Shamel Dickinson, um, Shannon Bean. I don't know. They might have married names now. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, Derek Hurdle. I know Derek. He goes by Bobby. Uh, who else? I mean, Tanika and Kyoki were my good, good friends. Tamisha. I think who else? I mean, those are my good friends that I still keep in touch with. So. Okay. Yeah. Bobby or Derek Hurdle, he's one of those guys who almost everybody asks me if I know him. Okay. It's in the basketball circles, I guess. A lot of the, like, the athlete types yep. know who he was. They're like, yeah, I do know him. I'm like, yeah, I know yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I played rugby when I was in university, so I know him also through that, like through because he played rugby as well as basketball, which was a big deal back then. Yes, yes, yes. Cool. Anyway, I didn't mean to derail your story. Uh, <coughs> you uh, you went okay, to Carabana with the... <laughs> um, Oh, yeah. So I just wanted to do something fun. My cousin was in um, Baby Blue Sound Crew, which was a big DJ crew back in the day. I remember them. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he, my cousin was KLC. Okay. He used to always go up to Carabana and we would go to the, to the Baby Blue Sound Crew parties and I'd bring my Bermudian girlfriends. And we would like drive. Have you ever, have you ever been to Carabana? It was one of those things that I always wanted to do. And then it when always I go, happens the same time as cut match. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I never made it. Then I got wiped up and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to get in trouble. If I get <laughs> well, one of the common things that happens on the Friday night is people drive up and down Yonge street. Like, and uh-huh. just like, it's just like a social kind of thing. So we used to always sit in the back and like hand out flyers for the parties to get people to come. And I thought, this is fun. Like, I can do this. Like, why don't I just do something fun like this? So it's just my dad and I. So I wasn't that, I didn't, for some reason, I just didn't think, I just assumed that he wouldn't be that supportive of me moving. Mm. And uh, funnily enough, I had just come back from Bermuda (laughs) for my girlfriend's wedding. I was in her wedding and I came back and I was just like really down 
like I find it every, every time I would leave Halifax and come home, I would have this like energy that would just like drain me as soon as I stepped off the plane. Mm. And my dad was like, you know, I see you. this happens every time you travel, like you leave and you come back. Like, and I, you can keep hitting your head against a brick wall, but all you're going to get is a headache. And I don't know why you don't just move. Shout out to pops. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. So I was like, Oh, I didn't know you'd be so supportive of this. And I was just like, peace, I'm out of here. And I like moved in December, which I don't know. Like, I did not have a plan. I had like $300, my visa and a Honda Civic. And I just got in my car and drove to Toronto. Wow. Just like that. <laughs> yeah. I had like a friend so? there. Like, at, like, so I was staying with her. I wasn't okay. like, you know, I wasn't, but I didn't have a job. Right? I had like, no, I just had a like dream of making it in the music business. Mm. And thank goodness I mean, it's not something I'd ever recommend that somebody do, but at the same time, I think at that time for me, like ig my ignorance was what protected me from, from, I guess, not really super failing. <laughs> no, no, but honestly, I, I have a lot of people who have criticized me about me maybe not thinking things through fully, but yeah. I see a commonality in successful people in that if you really knew how hard the shit was before you started it, you probably yeah. wouldn't have started it. You might never have done it. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. And so I got to Toronto and I, I wanted to get a job either like with a booking agency or with like a concert promoter. Mm. Cause I wanted to meet a lot of people in a short amount of time. I knew I wanted to do entertainment and I knew like at some point that I wanted to be in artist management. But mm -hmm. that's kind of all I knew. And I didn't know anything about music <laughs> other than handing out flyers to, to promote right. shows. Um, actually, no, that's not true. I did. I was promoting shows in Toronto before I left, before I oh. moved. Um, but I didn't know anything about like artist management or like label, like in terms of, I only knew about promoting parties and DJs. I didn't really know anything about the music industry per se. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I just, I remember similar to what you just said, I got a lot of criticism, including from my family. Like once I got there and was struggling yeah. and people were like, why don't you get a job? Like, why don't you get a day job? Like work at a bank, you have a degree. Like, why don't you get, and you know, do the music on the side. And then when this, when it starts bubbling, then, you know, leave that and focus on it full time. And I was like, first of all, I have absolutely no desire to work in a bank. Like I didn't take finance. <laughs> Second of all, I don't, and I don't know where I learned this or how I came up with this idea because I think now that I'm older, I understand that thinking of like the things you have to lose and that are at risk. Mm. But at that time, I just didn't, I just was like, I don't want to, if I put in part-time hours, I'm going to get part-time results. Right, right. And my whole purpose of coming here is to like make this happen for myself. So I'm just either going to sink or swim. I'm just going to put everything into it yeah. and I'll succeed or I'll fail. And if I fail, I'll come home. <laughs> Um, anyway. yeah, and I'm still here <laughs> that was a long time ago so um it worked for me but don't get me wrong it was like rough like my first couple of years I thought about coming home but a, a big part of me also did not want to be one of those people who like left Scotia to Toronto and then like comes back with their tail between their legs like I did not want to be that um, but I was willing to be that if I had to, like, I wanted to give it, I just figured I have to try it because if I don't try, I'll never know. Um, and I can say, and this would be advice I would give anyone who's starting out in music, whether they're an artist or in like an artist admin position, 
I like when I started, I did not know a lot. There was a lot of things I lacked in terms of experience, but the, and the first job I did end up getting was at a booking agency. So I was helping to grow their, this was when flow first started. So I was helping to grow like their urban division podcasters can't see me doing air quotes, but, (laughs) um, a lot of people who signed with me then knew I didn't have experience, but they told me they signed with me because they trusted me and because of my integrity. So even though I had no experience, they trusted me and they, that was more important to them than like years of experience. Sure. So I think that that has a lot more weight than people think when they're starting out and they feel like they need to have, I mean, experience is definitely important. Mm -hmm. And now I have both, I have experience and integrity, but I think it it is something that is sometimes lacking. Mm. So it can really, it can really give you a leg. I mean, it's not really just about only having the integrity. People have to trust that you have it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like being an artist, we want to know that, and I'm not, not even a musical artist, uh, but like, the people we're working with or talking to connect with us on that cultural level mm-hmm. and get us uh, beyond just what they can get from us. I, I suppose. Is that, yeah. 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 Hmm. And I think part of that also was again, my ignorance in that I was just trying to like figure stuff out and work with cool people and do cool stuff. Right. So my main goal was not like to make bank. Like I was obviously had to survive but in my mind, I did not have like dollar signs. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is going to like make me rich. Like that just was not, it never really kind of entered my mind. Hmm. So I'm sure that that helped in terms of creating those, like those were authentic connections that I was creating with people. Right, right. So like as a, what does a typical day look like for you? Or is that there are such thing as a typical day? Yeah. There's not such thing as a typical day. I think, I guess I have a, like I have typical days in certain phases of people's career. Like, so for example, when we're on tour, our, my day is pretty like standard. It's like, we're usually driving through the night, like in a tour bus. We're not, I'm not physically driving. Mm. I'm sleeping, but (laughs) (laughs) driving through the night in the morning, we arrive at our um, destination. We load in at 11, we sound check at four, showtime's at eight wrap the show, get back on the bus, drive yeah. through the week. So that's like, that's probably the only time when my schedule is like fixed every day. It's the same. Mm. Then like through the rest of like a tour cycle, I mean, a album cycle. Um, like when artists are in studio, I have a lot more time mm. because I'm not in that, like I'm not doing the creative work. Mm-hmm. You, and, and usually I try to time it so that my artists are not all on the same cycle. So like if someone's touring, we're not all touring at the same time yeah. or we're not all releasing at the same time. Cause that can be crazy. Um, but yeah, it's not, I don't really have a, a standard day. I mean, I'm trying to get more and more of my business online mm. so that I don't have to be physically present for everything. Yeah. But some things I just have to be there for. But, and it's some, some of it is just, like, I think specifically with touring, there's, like, a bonding that happens that's, I think, really important for the artist-manager relationship. Mm. Um, and then other than that, I have, like, weekly meetings with my clients. So that's the other thing that's kind of standard, like, every Tuesday at a certain time. 
we'll get on a call. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So who are you? You man, you mentioned uh, Sean Desmond. Who are you managing currently? Yeah, I managed Sean Desmond. And then I have another artist named Tika. She's a soul artist based out of Montreal. And actually, she's usually between Montreal and Toronto. And then another artist in Ottawa named Mandia. So she's like kind of trap R&B. Okay. Um, t- funny thing. So Sean Desmond. Yep. This dude's on the radio 24-7. This guy's <laughs> yeah. always getting played. So like, I feel like that electric song's in my head. Like, So, wow. Yeah. Um, and then Tika, I remember her because... I used to watch MTV Canada all the time. Oh yeah! And she was on. I was the after I was, show. Yes, I was hooked on the hills and all that other stuff. <laughs> and she was funny. She was funny. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she was. She started out as a curator. Like so, I mean, so she was on. Like she was doing uh, like hosting and stuff like that. And then she started doing uh, a series called The Known Unknown which was like, she was like curating it and putting other artists on. So she put other artists on like Daniel Caesar, oh, really? um, Sean Leon, like a lot of, a lot of people like that came out of the Toronto scene have showcased on her showcases. And oh. then she like decided to do her artist thing. So now she's a, now she's a full time artist. That's interesting. So she's like the whole time she had this talent for music, but it was kind of just. Yeah. Well, I mean, and if you, she, I mean, she talks about it, but, she, and she usually says that, like, she was putting other people on because she didn't have the confidence in her own singing voice. Got you. To really you. put herself out there. Mm. And Do you find that with people who write? Is that sometimes the thing? What, that they're not confident enough to put that like that's why they write for other people yeah because i've seen there's been this big thing where like someone comes out of nowhere and then you find out that they were like a writer behind the scenes for like 10 years or something before they came out as an artist i think Um, it's i mean i think that can be part of it i think sometimes it's also i mean it's so many things i think to be an artist you really have to know who you are as an artist Mm. And, and when you're unsure, then usually the, the music doesn't stick. Like it doesn't hit, doesn't like hit when you release it. Yeah. And so people struggle with like, if you don't have a lot of success when you're first kind of trying to put something out. Um, and then, and then sometimes you, like, if you're a really strong songwriter, you can make a lot more money quickly than you can as an artist who's, you know, it takes a long time to generate revenue as an artist. Mm, got you. Whereas as a songwriter, if you're, if you're a really strong top liner and a top liner is just an artist who can like be in the studio and write over production or write over beats, or I can put a top liner in the studio with the producer and they'll create a song. Mm. Um, if they are on, a, if they're on the right song, like with someone who is successful, then their checks are going to come in bigger and faster. Got you. It's not helpful if you're just writing for other people who are not releasing music, but Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, so you, you're a board member of Manifesto. What yeah, is, Manifesto Festival, yeah. Yeah. What exactly is that? So that is, Manifesto is a, it's a youth organization. Um, we actually just bought some 
some space in Toronto. So we're going to be doing a lot more programming like in our actual facility. But we do programming throughout the year. And our main kind of flagship event is that we have a festival every summer. And it's really just a show. It's a, pla a platform and a showcase for youth culture in Toronto. Mm. Um, and it's just, yeah, like a big, a big festival with a lot of other arts programming around it. So we usually do an art gallery, um, a music festival. We'll do some panels. We do a summit, all kind of celebrating youth art culture in Toronto. Mm. Do you feel comfortable sharing what it's like to be on a board, like that experience? Yeah, I think um, it's challenging. Okay. I think um, it's challenging because it's a larger team, I think, than I'm used to working with. Mm. I heard this analogy once, actually. It was I think it was, I don't remember where I heard this, but they were using the analogy of a plane where if you're in like a two-seater plane, yeah. And you have to turn it around. It's easy. It's like you just turn it around. You have to do a little circle when mm -hmm. you're on like a, like a huge, like, I don't know what, I don't know the names of planes, but like a, you know, huge passenger plane. Yeah, yeah. They have to turn it around. They have to do like this big wide circle and turn it around. And mm -hmm. I find the larger the team is, the longer it takes things to get done mm -hmm. because it you have to get more buy-in. You have to go through different bureaucracy and it just takes longer for things to get done. And then also on a board, at least when it's a nonprofit board, it's not a paid, it's a volunteer. So mm -hmm. everyone has their own lives and their own jobs. So like that's an, another added element of yeah. why it takes a long time for things to get done. Um, but it's, I mean, it's also really rewarding. Mm -hmm. um, like I love being on the board and I love what we've been able to do as an organization. And when I go to the festival, I always have a real sense of pride. Mm -hmm. um, and I really think the programming is stellar. Okay. But it is just a really, I do find working on a board to be challenging. Yeah, I've been investigating joining various boards and seeing if that's a way to help me give back in some way. And I was yeah. just wondering if if that actually feel, if you, you know, do you feel like you're actually contributing to, to something um, when you're doing? Yeah, that? I think it definitely has to be the right board, okay. like in the right fit um, in terms of mandate and also in terms of team members. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, even though it's challenging in terms of like how long it can take to get things done. I mean, it's more challenging for the staff, I think, than it is for the board, like, cause they have to get, you know, a board approval on things. Hmm. Um, yeah, but I do, I think at least in my experience with manifesto specifically, the work I think that they do is so important that it's reward. Like I feel, I, I enjoy being a part of that. Of right. That right. Even though there's challenges. And yeah. I think also I've been able to, um, like I've met a lot of really cool people and, and have created cool relationships because it's an arts focus. Like we're all, we all work in the arts and we, we all are either managing or um, yeah, just working it. Like we're just all, we're not all creatives. I wouldn't say that, but I, the relationships I've built, I've been able to maintain outside of the board as well. So it's also yeah. kind of been, been able to make good connections. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> no, it kind of did because I could, I'm so particular about how I use my time these days. Yeah. 
I don't, I'm like, I'm one person trying to run a business and it's like, if I'm going to devote a lot of time to something, I just want to know that I'm doing it and getting, it's actually having some kind of impact. Yeah. Uh, and then there are times when I want to do something nice for other people, like to help other, you know, new artists or even established artists who just need a help, my help in some capacity. But I'm like, is that a good use of my time if I'm only helping one person and am I hurting myself? You know, so I, yeah. if I can have a larger impact on a board or something like that, then I'm wondering yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so I these are the things that I stay awake. <laughs> that keep you up at night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. So how do you like? How do you balance being there for your artists, but then still find time for yourself? Oh, that's a great question. Something I've only learned very recently, and I'm still working on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, when I started my business or my, so I started my company in 2010, uh, and my only artist at that time was Sean. Mm -hmm. And I mean, his career was my whole life. I look back and I know why I was single now. Like then <laughs> I used to wonder, like, why well, I understand how I'm amazing. And I look back now and I'm like, Oh no, no, I know. I totally get it. I was like, that was my whole life. Like I, I lived, breathed. Sean Desmond, <laughs> like whatever our strategy was, like creative ideas, coming up with ideas. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, I, I think I needed to do that then because I was starting my company and, and establishing myself as a manager. Mm -hmm. And I think I also needed to do that then because at that time, it's not as rare now, but like when I started out, there really weren't that many female managers. I only knew one other. Interesting. Whereas now it's a lot more common, but it's amazing what a decade can do. Um, and so I was establishing myself, like I was a new manager, but I was also a female manager. And so I felt like I didn't always get people's respect immediately. Okay. Get into this. I, I want to know. Okay. <laughs> You're shitty to you. Know? You don't have to name names, but like, just like, tell me a scenario. Like you walk in there to a meeting and people are like, who the hell are you? Is that the, the thing that yeah, happened? Like, I mean, I would almost, almost always be, it was almost always assumed that I was Sean's wife. Oh, wow. Or a dancer. <laughs> and I mean, I wasn't really that mad about being assumed to be a dancer. Cause I was like, Oh, I must be cute. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, Sean is married. So they, I think they, people know he's married. And so they would just maybe assume up, but it, it was just interesting that like the assumption was never, Oh, this must be your representative right. like, your management. And to the point where, I mean, bless him. Uh, we have like Sean has security when, and especially like for shows and when we tour, um, his name is Debo. Debo used to run like <laughs> run interference before we got there. Cause there'd yeah. be times where I'd like, I'd leave backstage yeah. and then I wouldn't be able to come back on stage. Cause the security at the venue would be like, Oh no, no, you can't come up here. And I'm like, cause I think you're a group. Yeah. I'm like, what the F? I'm the reason that this dude is in your establishment. <laughs> so Debo used to run interference. I didn't know this for a while until I realized what he was doing. And I'm like, Oh, bless you, Debo. But he would run interference like as like as soon as we got to a venue he would make sure like everybody knew who i was but wow. the fact that you have to do that 
is, you know, also just, he doesn't have to do that with other clients who have male managers, but yeah. That's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I can't think of any other real like examples, but I know like the main thing is I would always, and I mean, it wasn't always men who thought that it was women too, who would assume I was his wife or a dancer. So it would always be wife. Oh no, not a wife dancer. No. Oh, then who are you? (laughs) The manager. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's not that like overt um we're trying to oppress you thing. It's more that subtle we've been conditioned to believe women have a certain role. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think also um yeah, I think what am I trying to say here? Like the expectation of like that I would have good ideas. I like, even when I was, even though like, cause I mean, obviously then there's people on our team who know I'm the manager. Like we go to label meetings. Um, I didn't really have this issue with anyone on our like personal, like on our core team, mm. but yeah, just the kind of the expectation that I don't know, like that I just didn't have good ideas or like that. I didn't earn my role as the manager. I must have done something to be here. Like, Jeez. Yeah. But I must say, I have noticed a difference, like, there are definitely a lot more female managers now, but I've noticed a difference in when I interact with people now, it's usually age, based on age, like older people, because like when I work at a certain level, the, the, the gatekeepers are just older in a lot of instances. Like, for example, with um, networks like television networks, mm-hmm. the gatekeepers are mostly o- older generation. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll have that experience with them more often than like with manifesto and where it's mostly millennials. I don't have that. Like I don't have that experience. If that makes yeah. sense. That right. assumption is not made with younger people. So it's still a problem. And so sometimes I forget, sometimes I, I, for, I totally forget until I walk into a room like with a television network and then it's like, it'll just be that one time. And someone's like, Oh yeah. And who are you? Katrina, I've been emailing you for the last, Three months or whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, something else I want to ask you about. You you were in Africa, and you were, you were wrapping my stuff over there. Yes! What was that experience like? That was beautiful. So I went over there for a wedding. My girlfriend, um, she is originally from Uganda, she lives in Toronto, but she just moved back. She got married and moved back to Uganda, and her husband's from Uganda. So okay. the wedding was obviously in Uganda. The reason I say that is I was amazed at how many people, when I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to Uganda for a wedding, and nine out of ten times, people be like, why did they decide to get married in Uganda? And I'm oh, like, my word. It's <laughs> <sighs> a destination wedding. Like, they're from there. Anyways. Um, so, yeah, so since we were already going over there for a wedding – we just figured, and the, when I say we, I'm, my partner and I, we were like, we, we got to go to, on safari. Like, it's basically our holiday trip. So, yeah, it was phenomenal. It was awesome. It was the yeah, best it thing. Looked incredible. In the it looked incredible. I was, like, blown away when you, you posted those pictures. I was like, man, that looks crazy. Yeah. Uh, like, and I'm it not- was the first time, talking of, getting back to your original question about balance, um, yeah. like, personal life and, or, like, life and business. It was the first, like, I was so excited about this trip. And I mm-hmm. told all my clients, like, I'm not going to be on, like, including Manifesto. I'm like, listen, guys, I'm offline for these three weeks. 
and like people be like, oh no, you know, do you think you could call in for me? No, I'm offline. Like you can't, you're not going to be able to find me. And even in my, even in my um, out of office, like message, I was like, I'm offline. I, you know, I'm on Safari. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> That's it. Like, so that was the first time I had ever really put my foot down of like, no, I'm just not going to be reachable. It's important. It's, it's super important. Like, yeah for mental for physical everything like you get depressed and resentful like i love this creative stuff that i do but i find that when i don't set those boundaries i resent it i resent my clients yeah. I resent everybody <laughs> yeah yeah and i think too i mean because i remember this was a few years ago but i went to cuba for a week and I mean, the Cuba, the Wi-Fi is not amazing. It's hard to stay mm-hmm. connected with people. And Sean had a show. And of course, like any other time, nothing goes wrong. But this one time, something okay. was wrong. The agent's trying to get in touch with me. Our tour manager's trying to get in touch with me. And I just couldn't get online that day. So I had no idea. But like, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it got resolved. So it kind of made me realize like, yeah, okay, I know it would have been better if I could have been there but you guys figured it out you can do without me for a week it's right. all good right. the world will come to an end <laughs> <laughs> i mean and that was important for me too because i really kind of thought oh my gosh what are they gonna do without me <laughs> okay, they'll figure it out <laughs> so how did you end up meeting sean sean actually so when i first moved to toronto um even though i decided i wanted to do music as I mentioned before, social justice was really important to me. And there was this event called Rush the Vote, which was an event to encourage youth engagement with voting. Okay. So it was a concert to like encourage young people to get like to, well, young adults to vote. So they hired me as the, I can't remember exactly, like program director. Basically I was like, hi, like, hi, like hiring all the talent for the concert. But the woman who was really behind a lot of it was she was Lisa Zabitney when she was the president of BMG at the time. BMG was the big record label. So she had signed Sean to Vic Recordings and he, and his team was looking for, he had a manager, but his team was looking for like manage like other managers to bring on to the team. Mm-hmm. He was just really in my corner. She mentored me and then she brought me into BMG as like her assistant and then she was really kind of telling them, oh, if you need someone, this is the person you should hire. Mm. That's where I met Sean. So originally he was with another, co- another company and I was working there. And then I left there and he left with me. Nice, nice, yeah. nice. I, I love connecting these dots, like how like one thing leads to another thing, to another thing, yeah. to another thing. Actually, this podcast is starting to, to do that for me because something happened where I was like talking to Dion and then that sparked something and I shared it with someone else and then that sparked something and then yeah. we might see something interesting coming from the Art Pays Me in the next year. So. Okay. <laughs> cool. I love to hear that. <laughs> yeah, so I, might, I might bring you in to see, see what, you know, what's going on. Um, awesome. <laughs> Let's talk about that offline. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so with that said, I think that's it. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Like what you you said something you had you want to promote? Oh, just that I'm like working with more artists. Um, because I get so many people asking me 
like for management advice or just to manage them. And a lot of artists sometimes aren't always even ready for a manager. Mm-hmm. And even if they are, I just don't have the bandwidth to manage everybody. So that's why I started doing these online programs, which I just ran the pilot about a month ago. It's like the first pilot group just finished up last week and the feedback has been awesome. Cause it's, okay. I wasn't, it's hard to kind of translate. Well, I felt it was going to be hard to translate like my management style into like an online format, but apparently it works because everybody's really excited about it. So I'm excited to have more people kind of come through that program and figure out where they're going and launch their artist careers. Did you go to B school or any any of that kind of stuff? I did B school. Yeah. Oh, okay. Why? You guys. (laughs) Okay. So it's like almost everybody I know who's been through the B school thing. Gainate, who was on episode two, she's also doing courses. Mm -hmm. He's been trying to convince me to do a course for a long time. Uh, I can't bring myself to do one. Um, but it seems like it makes sense. It seems like you can actually create impact uh, by helping other people, sharing what you know. And yeah, yeah, so interesting. I definitely think for anyone who wants to move into that space, that B-School is a great launch pad. Mm-hmm. For me, the challenge I had was like management is such a personal experience. It's, there's not like a checklist so yeah. it took me a long time to figure out like what people would be getting from the program because I didn't want it to just be like content like that you could get at a conference where it's just like a checklist of things. Cause that doesn't work for everybody, especially in the arts. Cause it's so unique. Yeah. Um, but what I also didn't realize is that most, most people I think, but in my case, most artists aren't clear on their values and their vision, like their big dream for themselves. So, and that's so important. And I think, cause everyone that came through the program was like, oh my gosh, I've never, like some of them have had managers before and they're like, my man, no managers ever asked me these questions. And then others who haven't had management have just said like, oh, I've just never, I kind of thought about these things, but I didn't have them at the forefront that I could refer back to them on a consistent basis to kind of check in with myself as I'm making decisions. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was important information for me because I didn't realize that that was unique. Right. Yeah. Right. And then the only other thing I would share is just to be persistent and never take no for an answer just to, for young artists out there. Okay. Yeah. I'm scared of you. <laughs> huh? I'm scared of you. You look like you really, <laughs> you take somebody out. I don't know. <laughs> no, I just mean like, I think it's especially in the arts, a lot of people outside of the arts don't understand that it's not just a choice. Like it's a, a passion and like fuel within you that you kind that you need to explore. And Mm -hmm. so it's easy for someone to look at your vision and say like fiscally, this doesn't make sense. Or like, like what you were saying earlier, like, you know, focus on something else until this jumps off. Right. Whereas it's like, okay, yeah, but I think that that's not the right like question. The right question is, oh, how do I make this make sense? Not just this doesn't make sense. Okay, so I, I was trying to end it, but I want to dig into that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> because this is something that I've been I think about a lot too. Uh, a lot of the people who have criticized things that I've done 
are people who are looking at what's been done before or what they think they've seen done before. And a lot of times of artists, we're not interested in what's been done before. We're interested yeah. in creating a new path. And for me, when I look at, again, other successful people, I try to remind those people who are critical of me that when so-and-so started out, they were the first people that we know of who was doing that. And that's why we remember them because they yeah. were doing something different. So that, and that's, that is the, um, the conundrum that we face that it's, it's going to be hard just because you're doing something that people don't understand sometimes. Yeah. And it's hard to know when it's time to quit and when now you just need to put more time in. Um, yeah. And I think, I mean, I'm going to share a story that's going to bring it home and local. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before I moved to Toronto, I was in the BBI program. I don't know if they still have that. In they, they still do BBI stuff. I don't know which program in specifically. It was an entrepreneurship program. Like for if you wanted to start a small business, they had a program. It was just called the BBI program. I don't oh, think okay. it had any other name. But it was basically for small business owners. Yeah, yeah. If you wanted to start a small business, you could join, like learn small business practices. Yeah. So I was in the BBI program and I knew I wanted to, I didn't know that I wanted to be in artist management yet, but I knew I wanted to be in music and yeah. I was promoting shows. Like I was promoting, I was bringing DJs mostly to, to, from Toronto to Halifax and doing shows like booking venues and par I was hosting parties basically. Yeah. So I went through the program. I had a freaking kick-ass business plan. And when I was in the program, because <clears throat> I was always going back and forth to Toronto, like it was the summer, I think, it, yeah, it was the summertime. They, it just so happened I was in Toronto. I think I was there for Caravan. I was supposed to come back on like the Monday, but they had this conference called, it doesn't get any more niche than this. It was called the National Association of Black Female Executives in Music and Entertainment. Jeez. <laughs> so the acronym for that is NABFEM, which I'm still a member of and is still amazing. And for any other young woman out there, it's also a good place to... They have a substantial membership? They what? Like a lot of people, I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's actually an American company. Uh, okay. Not company, sorry. It's an American organization. Yeah. But they, we have a Toronto chapter. Got you. So at the time, they did, they had their first convention in Toronto that year because of the dollar. Like, the, it was yeah. just so cheap for them to... Yeah. And I mean, when I say member... Like, Suzanne DePass was there. She's the executive producer of the American Music Awards. Wow. Sylvia Rowan was there. She was the president of Electra Records. Like, Jean Riggins was the... I think at that time, she was the president or vice president of... Um, she worked at Universal. But, like, these were, like, heavy hitters. Like, Def Jam was there, like... Mm -hmm. Violator Records was there. Like any, all the women, like all the literally like black female executives in music and entertainment from like American Music Awards to all the major labels to like radio personalities. Mm. Um, they had a, they had a, a brunch for uh, like a Mother's Day, not Mother's Day. It wasn't Mother's Day. It was in the summer, but it was like a mom's brunch. Sure, yeah. like Kanye's mom was there. Alicia Keys' mom was there. Like it was heavy, heavy hitters. Like wow. there was no better, like it was for me, knowing that I want to be in music and this conference was happening in Toronto. And if I volunteered, I got free, like a free pass, a free convention pass. Yeah, got, so I was like, Oh my gosh, I have to be here. When will I ever have this opportunity again? I call my program manager at the BBI. I'm like, Oh my gosh, you will never believe this. 
can you believe there is a national association of black female executives in music and entertainment and they're having their convention in Toronto right now? Like I, and I'm volunteering and I have a free pass. Yeah. I can't come back to class tomorrow. And they're like, nope, you have to come back. And I'm like, what? but that's against my business. Like my whole business is in music and entertainment. I'll never be able to make these connections again. Yeah. Like that's, that doesn't make any sense. Like if the whole purpose is for you to support my business, how I'll, like, this is a, I'm like, can, catapult my business in so many ways and they're like no you're not allowed to miss class that's the rules and i'm like yeah but that's not very entrepreneurial (laughs) yeah entrepreneurial is all about breaking the rules yeah like you gotta like i have to seize the opportunity and they're like well if you don't come back you're out of the program and i was like well i I can't come back i'm not i'm not coming back so i stayed at nabfem volunteered like met amazing women have still have relationships with many of these women today i just went back there they had their most recent convention in Philly this past September. I went there as an influencer. So I also got to, to do that. Um, but yeah, like I got, and I legit got kicked out of the program. <laughs> and I was like, this doesn't make sense because this is not in support of like, that's not what an entrepre- entrepreneurial mindset is. But getting back to your point of like, sometimes even people who are, in business don't understand what the vision is or what can be helpful to you and your brand and, and your artistry. And I just had to make a choice that, well, sorry, but I'm not coming home. Yeah, <laughs> And it like- paid off, like it paid off in dividends in terms of where I am now. Like if I had have not gone, I don't know where I would be right now. Yeah. I, might, I may have never decided to move. Right. You can't put a dollar sign on that. No. Um, and like there, are, there is a certain segment of the business community that's very based on checks and balances too. Yeah. So they would say, no, we can't quantify that. So it's not a good idea. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, yeah, I, I'm with you. I would have done the exact same. Yeah, it was worth it. I don't have any regrets, <laughs> but I think, and I think for them, it was a missed opportunity because that could have been a success story for them. Absolutely. Like they could have been like, yeah, we had this participant who just graduated and look at, like, I literally have pictures with these women. Like, it was a phenomenal experience. And it, I think I can even say, because before that I didn't, I knew I wanted to be in management, but before that, because in Canada, I just didn't see women in these roles. Yeah, exactly. That's why I was so, asking. And we didn't have, we didn't have urban radio. Like, it was phenomenal to be in a space, one, where, like, women were all supporting each other. I had full access. Like I was volunteering and people were just, I was just like, Hey, you need help with anything? Just I'm here. And people loved that. And so they were like, I was literally working the entire time, but I had full access to like literally everything backstage for anything. If I needed advice, women were willing to like, just lend me their ear and just hang out. And to see like so many, like, I just didn't even know some of those, positions existed like I had never really thought about oh yeah I guess there would be a head of marketing for a label sounds obvious now that I'm in music it seems so obvious but back then I just didn't know I was coming from Scotia and I just didn't have a lot of experience with music like music as a business yeah you know so I was like oh like there's all these things I could be doing (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah so I mean I think it might have even like given me the confidence myself to just say hey yeah this is what I'm gonna do I'm gonna be an artist manager I'm going to do, I'm going to start my own business. Man, that was a great story, actually. (laughs) 
That was great. You know, Katrina, um, I think I had a feeling that you and I would get along really well. Just, I don't know. This is the first... Yeah. This is the first time we've actually talked, people. Yeah, um, so I know. Right? I, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, like I really, I'm, I'm really glad we connected. Uh, this is a great, great. Uh, your your story is great. Awesome. Uh, well, I'm so glad I was able to be on this podcast finally because I was listening to them all the time. And Cash is a really good friend of mine. We're fam. So oh. when you had her on the podcast, I was like, what? on this podcast <laughs> 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 and then Dion because he and I went to school well he went to Dow but we were in school at the same time um, yeah so, yeah. so had a lot of, there's been a lot of um Scotian connections and then Angela I know Angela really well from Fashion Week right right yeah. do you know Dean I think that might have been how I found out your found your brand that might have actually been it because oh. you did a show with them right yeah I've done three shows I think with, I think uh, that might have been Week. how I discovered you yeah. You don't know Dean Jones, do you, by any chance? Dean Jones. I know a lot of Jones because my godmother is a Jones. Okay. But I don't know Dean. From Scotia? From St. Mary's. He was at St. Mary's. Not off the top of my head. Okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's my brother. I was just wondering if you were there. Oh, okay. No, maybe if I saw a picture, but not off the top of my head. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah, so how can people connect with you? Or do you want people connecting? <laughs> yes, um, they can find me through, I mean, they can always check out my website, klmanagement.co, but mostly through Instagram, Katrina, K-A-T-R-I-N-A underscore L-O-P-E-S, not Z. Great. So I got bars. So I can email you my mixtape? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always take everything people want to send. You never know. Sometimes, honestly, the majority of the time I receive music is not amazing. But there's always someone that surprises me. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So look out for me, folks. Yeah. Fire. Honestly, I always tell people I'd rather that than like... <laughs> The worst experience is when I'm at a conference or a convention and someone gives me a CD. Oh, um, right. I don't have a CD player. So <laughs> That's just, not a thing anymore, folks. <laughs> yeah. I can yeah. always tell when it's someone's parents who have put them up to it because I'm like, dude, no. CDs? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm always open to listening to music. All Real right, talk. cool. Cool, so I'm going to send you my mixtape. <laughs> for anyone out there who wants to send in their music, <laughs> their music they can absolutely hit me on instagram <laughs> all right peace thanks katrina no problem thank you so much for listening to the art pays me podcast thank you to langy beats for the theme music if you got anything out of this show please rate review and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on The more you do this, the more reach the podcast gets and the more artists I can help learn to make a living at what they love. If you want to know more about what I do, hit me up at artpaysme.com or at artpaysme on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest. See y'all next time.